Hey guys, welcome back to another Digital Artcast episode. Uh, I'm once again glad to welcome you all to the the podcast that has changed my life over the last couple of years. It's been great to have some amazing guests on um, the last you know, two or three months. We've had a slew of huge names in the industry come on and talk about their journeys and of course their artistic careers in the entertainment industry. Uh, just a quick kind of housekeeping note with the podcast. Um, although you guys have probably been experiencing a lot more frequency with the episodes due to the, the lockdown around the world, um, myself, um, I'm looking to spend a bit more time offline and focus on some upcoming work that um, I'm doing and you know some more career aspects, uh, you know avenues that I want to you know can charge down. Uh, so with that, I'm going to try and scale back slightly the the amount of episodes that will be getting published. Um, currently, since 2016, you know uh, we've probably pushed out an episode every month since then. Um, maybe one or two, depending on how many people would come on. Uh, but within you know the space of six months, we've managed to do 18 interviews, um, which is crazy, crazy good. But at the same time, um, not sustainable for the long run. Um, if I'm wanting to try and keep it consistent. So moving forward, we will have uh, slightly less interviews, um, mostly one to two a month, uh, depending on how the month goes. But then again, uh, hopefully you guys will still enjoy coming along and checking out the podcast and uh, listening to myself and my guests speak about the world and, of course, the art that they create. Um, again, today, uh, I think since you know the lockdown has incurred, people have had a bit more free time um, and have not been uh, as busy going out and about so we've been able to grab a few big names to come in and, and speak about their their art career um this guest today is, is is no exception of course we have the pleasure of introducing someone who uh i've met at a, 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 you know several events but also who's just been an, uh, an influence on the concept art world um since he's kind of you know hit the the ground running after leaving uh, school and, and and studying um definitely in the space of a couple of years has made a, a name for himself um, and of course, the, the work that he's been producing. Um, so today, uh, if you guys can help me welcome along today's guest, um, that is Finian McManus. Hey, Finn. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks so much hey. for having me. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, man, that's great. Thank you again for giving up your time and coming along to talk to us. It's, it's a real honor for us on on the podcast. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, where do we really start? I suppose because you know it seems like. Every time I'm kind of chiming into your social media, there's always something, you know, epic going on. Either it's work you've produced or it's an event you're going to, and and of course, most recently, um, you guys or or, or you particularly have founded a, a a concept art house, a concept art studio. Um, so congrats on that. That seems to be Thanks a, a so big milestone. Yeah. So, um, you know, for a lot of people who don't know who you are, um, although I'm sure there aren't many, but if there are any that, you know, don't know your career, um, could you do a quick intro and just let people know who you are? Yeah, of course. Um, hey everybody, my name is Finian McManus. Um, I've been a concept artist for around seven years. Uh, I grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and then moved to Los Angeles to attend Art Center Entertainment Design uh, when I was 18. And uh, I was there for two years. Uh, I ended up dropping out to start working in the industry at Sony as a concept artist, uh, where I worked on God of War. Um, I then worked at ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, in San Francisco for a while, and uh, got to work on you know a bunch of titles I really enjoyed, like Star Wars. Uh, after that, I, I was really lucky enough to, to join the Avatar team, uh, designing with James Cameron and Dylan Cole, you know, a bun- bunch of amazing people over there. Uh, and I joined the film union. And uh, that was about uh, three to four years ago. 
Um, since then, I've worked on a variety of titles, mostly been freelance. Uh, so a bunch of stuff for Fox or Paramount, Disney. Uh, I've traveled the world a lot. You know, I, t- I took a, a break for a year. Uh, I was still working a bit, but I, I took a break to travel the world and visited tons of countries like Thailand, Cambodia, lived in London for eight months, uh, lived in Spain and France. And, uh, you know, those were all very influential events on my life. But, um, you know, and like Gordon just said, uh, you know, when the coronavirus hit, it was uh, a time for, for me and, and some friends, some colleagues I had. We, we were always thinking of starting up our, our own studio. Uh, we wanted to become independent artists more so than just freelance, but build something of our own and actually be able to contribute something uh, to like an, an organization that we owned. So uh, that's why I started Terraform Studios. And that was about uh, three months ago. But I, w- I would say every event in my life, you know, all the freelance projects, the in-house jobs, those, those all led up to that point. So that's like a very brief, you know, overview of what, I, what I've been doing. <laughs> very brief, but epic uh, short stint and what you've done over the last couple of years. So yeah, that's like, I mean, I think that the resume you have with anybody would have been great. It's uh, it's particularly, I think, impressive with how young you are. And, you know, again, you know, you only had the small stint in, in school, you know, studying and then obviously left it to work. Um, what was your kind of method of thinking, especially when you left uh, school to start working was it just the drive to just get out and learn on the job was that the thing that was kind of driving you to leave school at the time yeah I would say there's a lot of things uh, when I first got to art center um, you have to realize I really sucked like I, I was really bad <laughs> uh, and actually if, if someone if my I have a deviant art page that still has some of my old drawings on it I mean I really I didn't know perspective I didn't know shading or form and uh, when I got into the, the college, it was actually through my 3D art. So I, I had relied on 3D programs to make these scenes because I couldn't draw or paint them. And that was the way I actually got in. And when I got there, you know, I was going to school with these people who all some of them already had careers. They already had worked as concept artists. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them were, you know, six years, eight years older than I was. And mm-hmm. I realized that, man, like I, I was, first of all, I was extremely excited and very nervous, but I also knew I had to get my shit together. Right. So, uh, you know, I just really worked as hard as I possibly could. And I think the big thing that really helped me a lot was that I asked tons of questions. I was never scared to get feedback and I, I really wanted to improve. And I recognized that um, everybody was better than I was. So every new opinion I got, everybody, any any new tip I got would help mm-hmm. me along that journey. So really, I would just be doing, you know, two all-nighters a week at Art Center, working really, really hard with like a close close group of friends I had there who I still know today. And, mm-hmm. you know, we would just basically study all night and uh, draw and paint and do plein air paintings. I mean, it was a really great time in my life. It was a struggle for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, when I moved here, I literally had nothing. Like I was barely scraping by. I lived with two other people in a tiny apartment. Mm-hmm. And I basically survived on like discounted cafeteria food and ramen. And actually, there's a funny story. There's one day where I overdosed on ramen because I was like on an, on an almost double all-nighter and I had three packs of shin ramen and no water. And I actually blacked out from like, <gasps> I think it was like too much sodium. Uh, and thankfully that was a good thing i lived with roommates because i i blacked out for about 10 minutes and they were gonna call an ambulance and uh, then i woke up and i was fine um but you know it was it was definitely it was an amazing time and a struggle like it was definitely the hardest period of my life because of the amount of work and uh, the kind of sacrifices you make 
you know, I didn't, I had family, but I didn't see them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had other friends I lost connection with just because I knew that this dream and this goal of mine, it was achievable, but it meant that I had to catch up. So, right. you know, going back to your question, the, the reason I decided to leave Art Center, it was a tough decision. You know, at the time, I was very, very grateful that I had met someone who had a big influence on my life, John Park, and he had taken me as like a mentorship student. Right. Um, and that really changed my outlook on everything because I, I was learning so much more from his, you know, couple hours a week than any of my classes at Art Center. And even though Art Center is a great school, it mm-hmm. wasn't the school that was great for what I wanted to do, which was live action film and game concept art. Um, so I got an opportunity to join Sony. You know, I, I applied and uh, somehow I got in with this portfolio I made with John Park. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I re- recognize that, oh, the work they're responding to is the stuff I'm doing on my spare time outside of school. So why am I paying, you know, and, and racking up debt to go to this school that I'm not learning too much from? So I was like, okay, that's right. it. I'm just, I'm going to learn more on the job. Everybody told me I don't need a degree, uh, mm-hmm. even though I, I never planned to be a dropout. Um, right. You know, that's just ended, what ended up happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, even when I was at Sony, I still took classes on the side because I realized that. I was not where I wanted to be, even though I, I realized that there was still an education I needed to get. So I would mm-hmm. take online courses in history. I uh, took brainstorm courses on my spare time. So I was in two classes at brainstorm while I was working. And right. it was basically the same thing. Like I was loving life. Like I, I had an amazing time, but I still didn't have a social life. I didn't see anybody. My only friends were people that I was in school with, basically. Right. And we would all just study together after I got home from work. Um, and it really was a great time of learning because I felt that every day I was making a really big stride to improve myself. So that's really what kept me going was knowing that I was getting closer to my goals. And, and I think seeing my friends and colleagues also improve, um, it really made every day exciting. It was like, wow, even if you know, maybe, maybe the stuff I'm doing at work isn't super interesting, but I'm, I'm getting better and I'm one day I'm going to get there. Yeah. I mean, even just in that whole description of how you were working at school, I mean, that is impressive itself. I mean, because I think the thing we found, especially when people uh, were going to university, I was at, it was very, you know, reliant on people thinking that as soon as they got a degree, they would automatically just walk into a job in the industry, which is like, you know, as obviously we know as, as far from the truth as it gets, you really need to be putting in that extra effort. And I know that, myself and only like I think one other person are the only people who have got work outside of, of the course so it's it's a very interesting thing I think people in schools all around the world including actually I'm surprised it's probably the same thing in art centers that people rely too much on the school and not enough on their individualism or their work outside of class right that's yeah. something that you probably learned early on so yeah totally. um, so then you worked on God of War which I never actually I never knew I knew you've worked on all these amazing films but I never knew your first stint was in God of War was that uh, was that the the latest release of God of War that was in PS4? Was that it was the latest one. Yeah, it was the latest one. Right. Um, right. You know, it was a really big learning moment for me because I think every student, when they produce work at school, they're doing these huge keyframes and epic environments and all this stuff. But in reality, when you start as a junior in a studio, you don't get to do the fun, flashy stuff. You're doing call-outs. So... I did right. tons of floor designs. I did rock faces. I did mountains. Um, right. I got to touch some architecture. I, I did a lot of like natural landscape stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, by and large, the stuff that I wanted to do was reserved for the people that were more senior in the studio, which totally makes sense. You know, you wouldn't get yeah. a junior to do a very important environment. 
Um, but that was one of the things I learned was that even when you go to floor designs, even though I thought I was like, oh, this badass that can do environments and all these cool scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, I actually didn't really know that much about design um, because right. when it comes to designing a floor, uh, even though some people might scoff at the idea, there's actually so much theory and, and thought put into a simple floor tile in a video game, you know, at least on a AAA title, where you actually have to think about the shapes and how it contrasts the rest of the environment. And, you know, do you want this floor to have a tension or not? What's the color palette? What's the texture? All these things are things you have to think about. So that was something I, I really did learn a lot from as well. That's awesome. And I take it when we, you would have been there in that time period, would you have been have working under Della? Was Della like, kind of your lead at the time? Della was there, but uh, Luke was the person that I was working under for the most oh, part. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, yeah Luke's yeah. an awesome guy. Really, really. An, an amazing artist also, just such Absolutely. an epic Yeah, he taught me a lot about design. Yeah, man. So, I mean, like, that would have been, I think, you know, groundbreaking for anything in the industry, but for that to be your first job, that must have been, like, a high almost, you know, because like, I mean, we all know the, the legacy that Santa Monica leads with, with even just design and of course with the game coming out and how well it done, we all know, you know, how hard those guys worked. So um, where was the point then where you left there to then work within film? Was that another calling card or something that else? Was that another, I mean, I, I would say there's all these points in my life where I look back and it's usually around a year, like I'll, I'll work somewhere for a year and then I'll make a decision to move. And they were all very tough decisions. Uh, I've never, I've never looked back and thought it was the wrong decision, but it's always been tough because I was having a great time with Sony. I was learning a lot. At the same time, it wasn't the end goal or dream for me, even though I'm sure it would be for a lot of people. Uh, but my true passion was always to work in film. And uh, ILM, at that point in my life, when I was working at Sony, I never even thought that was possible. Uh, for me to work in ILM, it was such an unattainable goal. I thought that would be something that I, I planned to do five years from then. But they had reached out about a junior concept artist position. And uh, I really just couldn't pass it up. I knew that I, I had some friends that worked there and I knew that they didn't really offer positions too often. Usually when they post a position on a website, you know, tons of people will apply to it, but they actually, the, the, the person in charge of their, their studio reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in a junior position. So even though I was taking a downgrade, I went from a concept artist, a normal concept artist to a junior again, you know, I I had just gotten promoted to a concept artist and then I was getting demoted. Um, it was still very much worth it for me. And it was, it was a crazy experience, like switching cities in like basically a week and a half. Uh, and then getting an apartment set up and just starting like instantly my first day on the job at ILM, I was already on several film projects and meeting with directors and producers. So uh, it was a big change, but definitely one that I appreciated because it gave me this huge new challenge that I had to overcome. And uh, that's something that I always encourage people to do is to give yourself those challenges in life because that's where you learn the most and develop the most as a person. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like that's a case that I think even I've been guilty of over the last couple of years is that, you know, taking gigs that I know I'm quite capable of, of finishing on time to a standard. But then, of course, when I see the stuff that's like a little outside of my range, I'm always like, oh, I'm not quite sure. But I remember watching a documentary with David Bowie when he talked about, you know, with a lot of artists, he feels that like you should always be wading water. You know, you should, your feet shouldn't be quite touching the ground when you're working. That's probably when you do your best stuff. So I think that's a, a very good thing to instill in students and of course to the listeners is that you know you always have to make sure that you're pushing the boundaries of what you think you can do because I think a lot of times you probably find you surprise yourself right 
Absolutely. I mean, it was the same for the studio recently. There's so much more I have to learn as a business owner and especially on the legal side of things that I just had no clue about. So the, I knew, I think I knew in my head, you know, Hey, I've been through all this other stuff. I could handle it. Uh, but at the same time, there's always a part of me that uh, has some fear when starting a completely new venture, whether it's like joining a new project that mm -hmm. I feel is going to ask even more of my, my time or responsibility. And like, how, how are people going to judge the work I do? You know, am I going to do mm -hmm. a good job? There's always a fear and doubt. Um, but I think that the risk, the risk for that, you, that you're facing for that fear and the reward of actually succeeding is so great. You know, mm -hmm. if you think about the type of person you'll become and, and what you'll be able to do as a result of succeeding, that's always been what pushes me to, to try to take more and to do more. And whenever I'm in that spot where mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm faced with, you know, a little bit of fear and a little bit of uncertainty, but all this potential, that's where I, I, I personally uh, excel a lot because then I, then I feel the stress, just a little bit of stress that mm -hmm. pushes you to overcome it. And I, I find in those moments when you're a little bit stressed out and you have like a deadline uh, and you need to learn something, that's when you make the most creative decisions. It pushes you to find new ways, like almost like creating new pathways in your brain where you're like, okay, if I can't get this done the normal way, I would handle things. I have to learn something new on the spot. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I try to put myself in positions like that more often now. I like act actively look for positions of uncertainty and, you know, uncomfortableness so that mm -hmm. I can benefit from, from learning how to succeed in those positions. I think it's interesting as well, the way you talk about the opportunities that have been presented to you with different studios. I mean, did you feel, I mean, was the, was the, the idea that you have now, the Terraform studio, was that something that was always in the back of your mind when you were going from job to job early on? Uh, no, actually, I actually, if someone were to ask me two years ago, if I wanted to start a studio, I would have said, absolutely not. I would have said, I don't like to manage people. I don't like business. You know, I, I'm not a business person. I don't want to deal with contracts. Uh, I, I don't, I don't feel like I have experience to art direct. Like those are all things that I would say. Um, but I think something really switched the last year when, uh, you know, there are a few people that really inspired me. One of them is Max Berman, who's a friend of mine. And, you know, everybody knows him. He's, he's very famous in the industry now for Kitbash 3D and, and his game that he released. Mm. And I realized that um, for a lot of the ideas I had to come true, approaching it from a business perspective where I actually own a company and can then create an IP through that company, that's mm -hmm. something that's way more attainable than approaching investors as an, as an individual. So okay. that's where it started. and. I think originally I, I thought that I wouldn't enjoy business, wouldn't enjoy managing or art directing. But it turns out that little by little over the past couple of years, I've been able to delve into it on the side without having to start the studio. And I realized I actually really love it almost mm -hmm. as much or maybe maybe even as much as, as doing art. I love to create business strategies. I love to think about, you know, passive sources of revenue. I love to do be the creative director on a project where I manage more than just the art, but also like the logo or the marketing of something. And it's something that I, I didn't know that I would enjoy. I never, I, I would have bet that I wouldn't enjoy it, you know, a few years ago, but I think it's just because I didn't experience it for myself. And, and that's another thing where like, I I'd recommend people to at least try other avenues out before you discourage them or you decide not to do them. Uh, right. Because I think I, Right now, I'm I'm the happiest I've been in my life because of the decision to start the studio. And if and if I hadn't done that, 
I don't know what other opportunity I would have had to start it. I think it was very unique. You know, we had the coronavirus. We're all stuck at home. There's work coming in that I can do individually or I could staff up and approach it from a much larger um, a much larger uh, overview. And mm-hmm. uh, I think if the virus hadn't happened, if, if I wasn't stuck at home, it probably never would have happened. I probably never would have started the studio. I would have been mm-hmm. at events, doing workshops, traveling, you know, working on set somewhere on a film and right. I would have pushed it off to the side. Um, but I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to start it and to grow more because of that. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I definitely, I think even this, I mean, for established artists, it's always a big risk taking on such a, a huge project as running and imagine your own studio, especially I think, you know, recently with a couple of friends I knew who were up at, uh, you know the places in, in Canada film cell that had, had closed down and uh, a lot of the places up there that you know have kind of seen downturns and they've had the shut so um what do you think moving forward is something that you think would separate or, or define your studio at the moment do you feel that you know would keep you not only sustainable but would differentiate you from the other VFX houses yeah so you know I think the main thing is that over my career I've tried to brand myself even before the studio um, I remember going back to art school, people would always tell me, you know, not all the work is fun work in concept art. And and for me, the fun work was doing things like blue sky exploration, finding new ideas, design, you know, mm-hmm. unique designing unique ideas. You know, they could be spending an hour on each painting rather than days. And that's something to me that's always been the most fun. Like I've always felt the most free and and the most joy by doing those, you know, idea explorations and, and finding the architectural styles or the, the, the landscape style, the color palette for a game or film. And I've tried to brand myself as the person that does that well, you know, and, and in the end, that's the type of jobs I always get these days because I've, I've consistently put out that sort of work on my portfolio. Um, and that's what I wanted for the studio, really, is I, I want the studio to be a place that people turn to to get unique ideas and for mm-hmm. Blue Sky for pre-production work. And thankfully, it's worked out great. We're fully staffed on pre-production projects for most for actually the rest of this year and some of next. So um, right now, it definitely seems sustainable. Um there's a lot of people that want to work with us that we're not able to work with right now just because of, of my time burdens. I can't physically hire more people without mm-hmm. restructuring things. But right. um, yeah, the in the end, the way we want to brand ourselves is, is to be the people that provide unique ideas, unique creative decisions that mm-hmm. so that a project can have its own vision and, and we can contribute to that vision. Um, you know, we also will have an e-commerce side to our studio that's launching very soon. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of artists doing their own kit bash packs. We have tutorials that are being released. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever released publicly a tutorial. A lot of mm-hmm. people have asked me to. Um, but I've kind of been waiting for a moment like this where I can actually do a tutorial and have it contribute to something larger than just that individual gum road. You know, I, I'd rather make a program that people can follow uh, with different steps on, you know, how to learn different creative abilities. I'm not someone who really focuses on the technical side of programs, you know, how to do mm-hmm. this or how to do that. For me, yeah. the most important thing in my life is is design and the ability to create something that's totally out of the world, unbelievable mm-hmm. at the same time, that's immersive. Um, so that's, I would say that's our, our branding. That's what we're trying to be and present ourselves as. Right. Okay. I mean, well, it definitely sounds unique from your from your point of view. I think it's it's one of the few things that we've seen in art houses, especially with concept art houses, is that you know people will, like you said, 
almost the same as way they'll come to an individual artist. They'll go to specific studios because they know their voice, their vision is something that they want to share. And um, even back you know, in the days when I was at Axis, it was the same thing. People would go to that studio because they knew the work they were producing, they knew the level or, or you know, caliber they were you know, churning out on a weekly to monthly basis. So that was something they were like, well, we want to go to those guys. So at, at the moment then, how, how big is the studio? What's your kind of infrastructure at the moment? Yeah, totally. We have uh, eight full-time employees. So mm-hmm. most of them are artists. Uh, most of them are senior artists, actually. Um, one of the right. things about the studio that I want to be very sure of is that I only wanted to hire people that I really trust. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I've worked with everybody in my studio before um, in mm-hmm. some capacity. So I know how they work. I know it, that they're efficient, that they're mm-hmm. very unique creatively. And I know that they can all bring something different to the table. And really what I wanted to set up with my studio wasn't just a situation where, oh, I'm, I'm the creative director and I make all the decisions. Uh, even though, you know, that's, that's good that I have this vision for the studio, I wanted to be surrounded by people who inspire me. So I wanted to recreate this feeling that I got on the past productions where you join a new studio and you see all these legends, these people that you love and like, wow, you can learn from them. You can ask them feedback and questions. I wanted to create an atmosphere where everybody can learn from each other. And, right. uh, you know, all the people I've hired are people that I love, you know, their sensibility, their design style, and they all do things that I can't do. So, um, you know, that was one of my big decisions in hiring them is that like, I'm going to learn from these people too. You know, I may have the vision for the project and the idea of where things go, but I feel like each of the people I hire they're not just artists that you can plug into any project just to replace someone. They're people that will bring their own really powerful creative vision to anything they touch. Like you see a piece by Marco Lebebe or Pablo Dominguez or Luis Carrasco, any of these guys, you know, it's their style and that they have all these years of experience of unique life experiences that boil down to their, their specific vision. And that's something I wanted to capture. So most of the artists are like that. They're these people that have worked in film and games for a long time. They've worked on all sorts of productions. They, they're very, very efficient with their workflow. Um, and other than that, I have one person who's a marketing specialist who's a friend of mine. And uh, what he's doing right now and what he'll be doing is he's going to be helping us with the e-commerce side and the social media. So he's very skilled at business analytics, at branding, at... Um, you know, finding out what people in a niche want from the companies yeah. that they follow. Um, mm-hmm. He's very specific to that. And I think that's something that a lot of the companies in our field don't really utilize is that, you know, a lot of us come at social media and business from a concept art perspective. But for mm-hmm. me, it's really useful to have someone on the team that I can always go to that has been in business his whole life. Um, so I can always ask, you know, our guy, JC is his name, JC Luo. Um, he brings a very unique perspective as he's worked in the business and entertainment field for 10 years for a mm-hmm. multitude of companies, um, managing yeah. their social medias, their business strategy. And um, that's another aspect that I'm really keen to learn more of. And that's why it's great to have him on the team. So that kind of encompasses all of our artists right now. There's actually uh, a lot of people I want to hire that I have plans to hire in the future. You know, they range from art directors to actual concept artists. Um, Mm -hmm. and some of those are already planned, um, Mm -hmm. but they won't take place until the new year, just so that we can have everything up and running smoothly. Right. Makes sense. So, I mean, for the, for the limited time I've run my own business as as a design studio, also back when I was doing, you know, graphic design, uh, I found that the worst thing about that was 
the more I was taking on the business side of the company and, and producing work and then also try to get work in the door, the less art I was making. Is that something that you've actively thought about ahead of time or something that you're noticing now as you're running the business? Are yeah, you I thought about all, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've absolutely thought about it. And that's, you know, honestly, that was my biggest fear was that a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me, hey, like if you were to start a business, you know, why or why not? It would be yeah. because I didn't want to be a manager. I didn't want to be on the business side. Um, and you know, I, right now I'm, I'm doing concepts for three projects. So I'm still very, very active. Um, and I do, I, I assist with, with every studio project we have, I'm always doing sketches and paintings for them too. Uh, you know, how I manage the time is I could be working while I'm giving feedback to people while I'm talking to people. Um, I, I'm still, you know, I, I would say some people would consider me a workaholic. I really love my job. So I, I'm happy to spend, you know, 10 hours a day painting, like perfectly right. happy to do every yeah. day. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely still make time for myself. You know, I work out, I see friends, I go on hikes. So mm-hmm. there's still definitely time to do that I spend on that. But I would say that how my time has changed is that I, I'm very, very meticulous about planning now. I plan everything out within 10 to 15 minutes of each other. So specific time, I'm going to work on projects, uh, different meetings, calls I have, whether it be on the legal side, business side, or the creative side. Um, all this stuff is very, very carefully planned out, usually a couple of weeks ahead of time, um, so that I know exactly where I'm going to be at every moment and there's never any panic. And I think that's uh, kind of like something about me that I've always had since I was a kid is I'm a very, very, um, I, I, I'm a very plan-oriented person. Uh, I plan not only my future goals, but, uh, things that I want to get done in the day, in the week, um, literally everything in my life. I like to have a plan for it. Now I don't go crazy if it doesn't happen. And honestly, most of my long-term plans never resolve in the way I think they're going to. And Mm. that does not uh, discourage me or, you know, get me down or freak me out. I always have a, a mind towards that you know, planning is something, something that is essential, but your plan may not come true. But having the option and the thought to plan ahead and to have all these different outcomes in your mind first, it'll make it so much easier to adjust when something changes. Um, so that's something I'm very careful about. Now, I, again, like back to your question in terms of managing, I know I just went on a tangent, but yeah, yeah. I, I spend almost the exact same amount of time doing concept now still mm-hmm. that, I, that I would have done if I was a freelancer. I'm just very more, I'm much more specific about my, my time. Right. Okay. I mean, it seems like a crazy amount of stuff to be doing all at once. I mean, of course, you know, you're thriving under this pressure. Uh, I think a lot of people might find it surely overwhelming for anybody, but um, do you think that your time in the studios previously is something that prepared you for this? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've dealt with a lot of stress in my life. And like you said, I think it's something that I do well under. I mean, I think stress in a sense for me, um, I, I am not a stressed out person, but mm-hmm. I think situations that would normally cause people stress because I've been through them so often, they don't really shake me or I don't even really feel anything from them anymore. The, a, a stressful moment for me, and this hasn't happened, but like if a stressful moment is like if, if one of my artists like tells me on the day that he, he has to stop working for me like instantly mm-hmm. like and and i have to make up for like weeks of work that would stress me out but anything right. up to that point you know I've, I've dealt with a lot of things in my life and 
nothing has ever impacted me in a, in a super bad way. I've always been able to recover. Um, I would say some of the moments that were the most stressful for me, uh, I think working at ILM, my mm-hmm. first like six, my first three to six months, uh, just getting up to speed with everybody. That was mm-hmm. crazy because um, switching from a, a perspective of a, a games oriented workflow perspective and deadlines and switching to film, I would, I would be going from like, having five floor designs doing a day, which is nothing, it's, it's very simple work, to having to do like two full keyframes with, with robot characters and creatures fighting it out in a fully designed city in one day. And for two different projects, so splitting your brain and, and managing two different things. And at yeah. the same time, my skills weren't up to par with anybody else in the studio. So that's that was a stressful situation. And I think it's yeah. it's moments like those, and you know, all the stuff from Art Center dealing with those those different individual stressful periods that have prepared prepared me for this, where it doesn't really phase me anymore. And yeah. um, it's even exciting. It's like if there's a challenge. I get more pumped. Like I'm willing, I'm like, wow, I really want to work late because I'm really excited about dealing with this. So I, I kind of have a way of turning the stress into excitement, um, which I think it can be very useful. I think that managing your emotions in a way that uh, can benefit you is really helpful. Like not just being okay with jealousy or, or greed or stress or anger or anything, but being able to turn that any of those emotions and, and use them as a catalyst for something else in your life, I think is, is very valuable and, and has helped me a lot. Yeah, I mean, definitely it sounds like you have uh, your shit together more than most people. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, it's interesting as well that, you know, you're talking about launching these projects and obviously, of course, the, the studio has just, you know, erupted in it and, and you know, fresh and it's came to be. I mean, in essence, I think the hardest thing about running a studio also is is like you know, also bidding for work or, or clients approaching you. But then, of course, you have almost the reverse effect now, where you're turning away work at this point because there's so many people want to work with you, right? So, how are you going about picking those projects specifically? Maybe not talking specifically about what you're working on, but what client wise are you kind of thinking is the best fit for your team? Yeah. So whenever we have new clients in the studio. Um... The first thing I ask always is, you know, are, are they are they reputable? And almost mm-hmm. always it's yes. You know, almost always it's a big company who is well known. The second thing is, are my artists going to love this? Like, are they going to physically get out of bed in the morning and be excited to work on this project? If that's a yes, then they pass that phase, which is most of them still are, are very fun projects. I, I, I do think that the most important thing for the studio and for the artist is that we continue to do a job that we really love, but that is really something that we look forward to. I never want to be a boss that is like forcing my artists to do something they don't want to do. You know, I want to make sure that I put my artists on the individual tasks that they enjoy, that they're happy with, that uh, they feel like they're challenged, but also they want to overcome it, that they would learn something from the process. So those right. are all things I ask, you know, I, I think I would turn away work if it feels too easy, if it feels like, you know, I'm copying something else, you know, that's something I would always turn away. I would turn away work if, um, you know, if, if someone approached me and was like, hey, make a copy of League of Legends or World of Warcraft or something, I, I definitely wouldn't accept that um, because I, I want to use every opportunity uh, as an artist for growth uh, of whatever I can get, you know, whether it's. Uh, growth in speed and efficiency, growth in creative mindset, growth on the business side, 
Um, I try to, and I encourage my artists to do the same. And, and thankfully, they're all of it of the same mind with me. They're all people that are hungry for knowledge, even after they've made it. Like these guys, they've made it in their careers. They they don't have to work for me to get work. They could they could you know go anywhere and do great. You know they they do workshops. They're well known. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we all have in common is that we're all people that really want to be be the best at what we do we want to mm-hmm. love our jobs and mm-hmm. I, I just want to make sure as a business owner that i'm providing work that will keep everybody excited on a daily basis right yeah i mean again this is a thing that you know the challenges you'll face as a boss now as opposed to just you know i say just an artist but you know someone working by themselves as opposed to having a corral artists in another place where they're working together um cohesion again in a studio was different because when you join a team obviously you're trying to meld minds together and work you know you know as a one unit as as a collective which obviously for a lot in your studios is like the biggest hurdle right is something that is early on very hard to try and get perfectly because you might you know you've got multiple people who you probably have worked with in the past and they're working one-to-one with you but then you might also find that a lot of these guys maybe haven't worked with each other so i guess the question is moving forward and you know what you've established as the company and, you know, you talk about there's not a lot of things that phase you, but what do you think is your next big challenge for the studio internally? What do you think is the one thing that you're going to have to spend maybe the most time uh, working through? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, honestly, it's funny. Most of the artists in my studio actually already know each other, too. And I got very mm-hmm. lucky with that. You know, yeah. um, there's a lot. There's a few that are in L.A. And we, we've all been a, a, a group of close friends for three to four years. And there's other people uh, internationally that are also familiar with each other that have talked to each other before. So in terms of working together, that's actually, that hasn't been any problem at all so far. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that is a challenge for me coming up, uh, is, uh, I guess it's twofold. The first thing that's on my mind is expanding the studio. You know, we have all the means to expand. It's Mm -hmm. more about how I manage my time, with that expansion. So right now I'm at, I wouldn't say I'm at a limit, but I'm, I'm very comfortable. Like I'm not stressed out. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm working on projects with these artists I love. And I want to make sure that I don't interrupt that. I don't want to be this crazy lunatic running around, missing deadlines, et cetera. I'm never going to accept too much work. Um, so I guess the, the biggest challenge for me is to be able to expand while keeping our creative vision intact mm-hmm. and create, keeping the community feeling that we have. Um, I want all the artists to feel very comfortable with each other, like they could hit each other up and talk about, you know, design or talk about their life, you know, and just personal life and hang out together. So I want to keep that feeling as we get larger. And, you know, something I despise after working in a lot of corporate companies is the feeling of this, you know, corporate overlord watching you. And I've worked in companies before where it's like, just the atmosphere of it is stifling. Like you don't want to talk to your peers because you feel like you could say something bad that's against company policy or it's just mm-hmm. not a, it's not a creative atmosphere. So that's the opposite of what I want to do. Right. So the big challenge for me, I think going forward is, you know, after this year is complete and we're all, we've happy with what everything has been done uh, mm-hmm. before we hire any, anybody else, I'm definitely going to be getting everybody's opinions on how they think they would like to expand to. It's, it's more of like a, of a mindset of, um, you know, everybody is in this together as a studio uh, and we're we're kind of in control of our own futures now. And I, I just don't want to mess it up as we go forward. Um, the other big challenge for me is as someone who is new to business, but is, is still loving it, uh, mm-hmm. is on the e-commerce side. Uh, 
how can we better help the Consumer community with developing products? You know, I already have a huge list of tutorials that I have planned. I've already recorded a couple mm-hmm. uh, that I'm going to be releasing later. And, you know, we, we have actually four kit batch packs that are already completed. Uh, right. But it's, you know, I think it's, it's more in seeing the response to those and seeing what people want us to produce next and mm-hmm. what is missing from the already huge you know, library of online content for the concept art world. And, you know, right. I'm happy to take suggestions. If, if people mm-hmm. are listening to this and you want a, something specific from our studio, please let me know. Uh, because, you know, most of the artists in my studio are happy to produce content. Um, and we're going to be producing it on, on a pretty large scale soon. So I think that's the biggest challenge for me too, is finding on the e-commerce side ways to help and give back to the community and making products that people really appreciate. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, it definitely sounds like you have, you know, a plan in place. Of course, you would have to run a business. You have to, you know, look at six months, like a year into the future and think about where you're going to land. But then, of course, I think taking it back to your days of concept art, I mean, you've come so far in such a, I say a short space of time, but I think for most people's careers in Hollywood and of course the entertainment industry, you know, less than 10 years to be where you are, I think is, is rare, you know, for people to, to be in that position. You know, you talk about guys like Max Berman, you know, like that's not the norm. That's the exception. That's, you know, that's the, the rarity of people having those opportunities when they're, they're so young. So I guess looking back over the last couple of years, when you've worked in these different studios, if you were kind of, you know, day one back in art center, and you met your younger self, what would be the one thing or the one piece of advice you would probably give to yourself to to advance your career or maybe avoid some of the, the pitfalls you, you fell into during your time? You know, it's I, I feel weird for saying this. Um, mm-hmm. I really haven't had many pitfalls. There are only, there is one instance that I can't talk about uh, that had yeah. to do with a studio I worked for. Um, okay. But... Uh, it wasn't entirely my fault. And, and it was, mm-hmm. it would, my only advice would be to do things to avoid that incident. I just right. say to everybody out there that's listening, don't host your, your, uh, pers- your private work for studios. Don't host it online, even if it's behind a paid portal, even if it's in a Google Drive secure folder, because people right. can get to it. So that's right. all I'll say about that. That's something that, that's my deepest regret I've had mm-hmm. as an artist looking back is that an event that I was involved in. Uh, mm-hmm. Work got released and mm-hmm. it ruined a lot of things for me, like relationships with people I really valued. Uh, mm-hmm. And it made my life hell for a few months. Uh, thankfully, right. I was able to recover as a professional. But mm-hmm. at that time that it happened, I had mm-hmm. I had no hope. I thought my career was over. Um, so that's really the only thing, though. I mean, looking back, I like I told you, actually, before we talked, you know, before we started the podcast, I've been really, really blessed. I'm, I've been very, very lucky in life. And I fully acknowledge that by having the opportunities I've had, um, you know, growing up with with parents that, you know, even though if they're divorced and we, we had troubles as I was growing up, they both supported my career in art. They said that if I could make a living out of this, I could prove to them I could make a living that would be OK with them. You know, I've had mentors like John Park. You know, Luke Berliner was an awesome mentor to me. Um, Yannick Dussault from ILM, Dylan Cole from Avatar. It's like every job I've been to, there have been these extremely kind individuals who are just gods at what they do. You know, they're the best. And they were all happy to give me their time to take a look at my work and tell me not just advice on art, but life advice, financial advice, investment advice, um, Mm -hmm. you know, personal relationship advice. I mean, all these things that, 
you know, me being separated from my family, living in California, not being able to talk to my family so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very, very appreciative. Uh, I, it's been very appreciated. And yeah. um, because of that, I really wouldn't change much. You know, like if I go back and I, I feel like each of the struggles I've endured has made me a much better person because of the struggle. And I feel like if I if I were to take myself out of those tough situations, I'm not sure how I would have ended up as a person. You know, like I'm sure I would be a nice guy, but I don't know if I would ha- be resilient or determined or passionate still. And that's why I really wouldn't change much looking back. Um, I, like I said, I've been very lucky. And yeah, I've had a lot of hard times. Um, but I, I'm, again, I'm a firm believer that, you know, hard times make, you know, hard, good people that that understand yeah. their shortcomings and they, they have humility and they can understand where when they're in the wrong. And right. um, all the all the negative experiences I've had have, have helped me to understand other people's point of view, to mm-hmm. put myself in the shoes of other people and to really look at things from an open-minded perspective, which I'm very, very grateful for. So I guess I, that's a long-winded answer, but I hope that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it, it's you're always fairly lucky, I think, if, if you exist in an industry and, you know, there's there's very few instances of, of things you've done no possibly wrong but things you've maybe not seen foresight in a you know long in the line what's going to happen if if you maybe you know like you said you maybe host something online or you're not really thinking but then again it's just a thing that happens i think in life is that you said yourself these hard times make hard people so everything you've done has shaped you to who you are and where you are just now and you probably wouldn't change much but i think it's always just interesting to look at you know the formula or trying to break down the the equation that makes people as successful as you are and i think it's always interesting when people come on the podcast they always want to uh listen and and you know find that you know the goal that the thing that will make them just like you but of course everybody has their own path and i think the thing i've always talked about in this podcast is that's great is that you could ask somebody how they got in an industry or how they got to where they are and everybody has a different answer right you know these had the exact same path and you know, whether it's starting your own company or working for ILM or working or going to school or not going to school, you know, everybody has their own route. So I guess in the future, moving forward, what do you think is your kind of long-term goals? Is it more career focused with the studio or is there also things personally you want to achieve uh, in the next couple of years? Man, there's so many different goals I have. It's it's hard to structure them sometimes. Yeah. There's I think the the really long term, like I don't know when this is going to happen, years in the future goal is to launch our own IP, um, mm-hmm. whether it's a game or a film, like a short film or something like that, through the right. studio. And I can guarantee that will happen someday because it's one of the main reasons I started the studio. And I can also say that I wanna I wanna build the studio as a platform for not just myself but also the other artists inside to launch their own projects as well. So there's a lot of, you know, one of the main ways people, one of the things people need to launch that is money, you know, it's just like capital. Mm -hmm. And I think that the e-commerce side and, you know, all these other things we're trying to plan, that will Mm -hmm. give us the opportunity to to use some of those funds for our own projects. Um, So that's one big goal. You know, another big goal is that I want to travel more. Uh, You know, this year I had a lot of travel plans either to do workshops. I was supposed to spend a a month in Japan, which I was really looking forward to. And I wasn't able to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really would love to travel more. You know, another thing that I always say when I give a workshop is that really travel is the biggest inspiration for me. And it's true. It's the experiences I've had when I've been traveling, you know, throughout any country um, have really shaped my art and my design sensibility by 
for, for tons of reasons, for political reasons, for, you know, seeing architecture, for seeing street food and talking with these people and trying to communicate with other beings, even if we don't speak the same language. Like all the experiences I've had while traveling have really, really changed my outlook, both on life and, and on my art. And um, I, I definitely want to keep that up as I go forward. You know, uh, starting the studio, I, I tried to make it in a way so that I would be able to travel while working for the studio. Mm -hmm. and, I, and that's definitely something that I'm going to be doing in the future. Um, so goals beyond that, um, there are actually a few other business opportunities, business ventures I have in mind for the future mm -hmm. uh, that probably won't launch for another three to five years. Um, right. I don't want to say them now because I don't really want to give away my idea. <laughs> of course, yeah, but, of course. Uh, but uh, you can definitely look forward to seeing other ventures being started after right. you know this is after Terraform Studio has kind of made a name for itself and is pretty set in concrete. There's definitely other things I want to jump into. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm personally like for my personal goals. There's a lot of other things I'm interested in besides concept art that I want to tackle or learn more about. Uh, right. You know, when I was a kid and even in in the art center, you know, before I was as focused as I was now, I did a lot of fine art, you know, sculpture, painting that had nothing to do with concept art. And I would really love one day to delve back into that. Um, I love yeah. writing as well. I, I used to write short stories. You know, that, that helps me a little bit with creating the lore for universes that I, I design. I'd love right. to get back into writing and, and write a book someday. Mm -hmm. Um, I play the piano, uh, really, you know, I've been playing the piano for like 12 years, uh, blues and jazz. I want to spend okay. more time in that. I also really want to learn how to play the Indian sitar as a musical mm -hmm. instrument. I, I really love the sound of it. So, you know, there's a bunch of other interests I have that I want to focus on. Um, and it's all gonna, I know that in my head, it's all going to come to be one day. I'm going to have time to do this one day, maybe just not mm -hmm. right now. Right. Um, and, you know, creating the studio, creating the, the different business ventures, mm -hmm. those are going to give me one day the peace of mind to be able mm -hmm. to take that time off to, to yeah. explore all those other things. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it'll happen. You know, maybe it's going to be seven to 10 years from now, but I mm -hmm. want to set myself up right now to have a future where I can do anything I want. Yeah, yeah. I was going to actually just jokingly say it was one of your interests, also fashion. Oh, it probably is. One yes, of, it is. I, didn't I was going to say one of the most fashionable concept artists I think I've ever ah, seen in my thanks, life. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm super into fashion. I'm surprised right. I actually didn't mention that. I, I yeah. even wanted to create my own clothes, clothing, like sew things together, but... That's yeah. I, after looking into it. There's so much, so many things I have to learn. I'm going to need to save that for for a few years from now. But I'm very, very into fashion too. That's something that's also inspired a lot of my work. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to look at your feet some days and see you walking down with like the massive jackets down Park Avenue in New York. <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? This is like something you don't usually see with with content well, artists. I'm not very personal with my Instagram. I, I very rarely post pictures of myself, and I'm pretty. Uh, I wouldn't say embarrassed. I'm more nervous about like pictures of myself and like how people mm -hmm. will judge me, but I'm, I'm super into fashion. I mean, I follow a lot of different fashion designers and uh, anybody who sees me in real life, I'm always trying to wear something that looks interesting because I, I'm really obsessed with the idea of, you know, what you choose to wear is a piece of art in itself and it reflects who you are and messages you're trying to send and things that you enjoy. And I feel like it does, it does say, a lot about you as a person, individual, and that's why I'm so interested in it. Is that you know when you your first look at someone, your first take on them, 
is going to be first, obviously their appearance. So before you even mm -hmm. talk to them, what are the subconscious signals they're sending? What's the message they're sending? And mm -hmm. what, what thought have they put into that, that uh, signal that they're sending you? And that's something that subconsciously I'm very interested in. Um, so that's one of the reasons I, I like fashion so much, but also just from the amazing materials and inspirations behind a lot of modern fashion these days is very interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, generally, I think we try to end on, on a note that will inspire the students, but I'm just wanting to maybe touch on something that we haven't dived into too deeply, but I know you have a lot of experience in is that where do you feel like, I mean, you've probably talked about it, but more, maybe going into more depth of travel right so you you obviously took a, a stint where you you kind of went around the world and and engrossed in on other cultures and other things that were going around the world how do you think or how would you like the students to acknowledge how this makes artists grow uh, exponentially yeah so before i talk about it well this will segue into it is mm -hmm. i want to talk about what i was leaving in order to do that because right. it'll i think it'll kind of cement into people how important it is to me so at the time i decided to leave the u.s for a year mm -hmm. i was at the, the peak of my career as a concept artist. I was working on a, a project that people would dream to work on that you know I had personally loved and had inspired me when I was a kid. I was designing for Avatar 2 and 3 and my contract was not done. You know, I could have stayed there and and wrapped the films. Um, mm -hmm. But I decided to leave in the middle of the production after a little bit over a year. And uh, it was a really hard decision uh, but I'm very grateful I did it because of the amount of stuff I learned that year while traveling. Uh, the people I met, the connections I made. I mean, some of my best friends, some of the people I call my best friends now are people that I met that year traveling. You know, I would, I would basically, my home base was in London, and every two weeks I would travel to a new country for like around a month. And then I'd come back to London, do two weeks of personal or freelance work, and then go out again. And every country I'd go to, I'd contact a couple artists in that country and say, hey, I'm coming. Any chance we can meet? I'd love to, to meet you and say hi. And, you know, maybe you could show me some cool food. And uh, that's how it went. It was just perfect. You know, I met a really good friend of mine, Andrea Ciampo, the first way uh, by doing that. Um, you know, when I was uh, in Spain, I met a bunch of other amazing concept artists. Um, I, I didn't end up meeting anybody in Thailand or Cambodia, but that was because I was already on a trip with two other friends of mine. And, um, you know, I, I think the main thing that's the most important thing you learn when you travel is to have an open mind. And this is, I say most important because a lot of times people consider on these podcasts, you know, they look for podcast information on how to be a better concept artist. But having an open mind is something that will impact your life forever. And it'll, you might not realize it, but it will actually have such a, such a great impact on who you develop to be as a person. And I think it was for me seeing people in abject poverty, still being happy and seeing people struggle with things and going through struggles myself in desperate situations, you know, backpacking, it was being welcomed into a total stranger's house in an alleyway in the middle of a village in India to come share tea with them. Even though I didn't know them at all, we didn't speak the same language, but they just wanted to say hi and, and share some tea with me and show them, you'd show me like some little crafts, arts and crafts that they made. And it's, it's moments like that, that I think are, um, are pretty incredible. And you, you end up learning a lot about, you know, just human beings and how we relate to each other and, and views that we share and why people share certain views, you know, why people vote a certain way or why people 
choose to live a certain way. And I think these are all things that can make you understand other people's perspectives as a person. Um, now, when, when that factors into your design, um, there, there's a lot of different ways. You know, you want to be someone that is approachable, that is a nice, kind person that you feel like you can talk to. A lot of companies won't hire you if you come off as like an arrogant prick, basically. And, you know, I think having an open mind really, really helps with that. But, you know, also from traveling, it's, it's helped my design sensibility a ton. Seeing and, and all these different experiences that you, that you see, different types of food, uh, different types of animals and geography and natural landscapes, they're all memories that get imprinted into your brain that you're going to draw upon when you're doing your next painting or, or reference gathering. You're going to remember that moment that you saw this incredible you know, temple in one of these countries and be like, wait, I can use that as an inspiration for this. And that those moments happen to me all the time. When I'm on a new project, there's all these memories I have of things I can dig up and say, oh, I went to this place. You know, most people don't even know about it, but I'm sure I can find some photos and use that as inspiration. And those are all ways that's really helped me in my life. Um, I would say the, the thing I'm most grateful for about that year were the, the people I met by far, because at the end of the day, I'm a person that really thrives when I can rely on, on other individuals for support, when I can talk to people. I'm very social, you know, and uh, just getting to know some of the people I met on that trip and knowing that, you know, I'll always be there for, for them and they'll always be there for me. And that we can it might be a year, two years before we meet up the next time, but we're still going to carry on like nothing happened. You know, it's, it's things like that that I really appreciate in life. And um, yeah, I, I guess that was the most I, that was most of the things I take away from traveling is every time you go out, you, you are guaranteed to see something new. You're guaranteed to make new experiences and new memories. And I know for a lot of people it's, it's unaffordable, but there's actually very, very cheap ways you can do it. You know, I crashed on a lot of couches. I crashed on, uh, with my friends a lot of the time I backpacked a lot. So you can do a lot of really cheap ways for doing it, but it's definitely something I recommend to everybody. Well, yeah, I definitely think that's a, a great note to end on. I mean, I, I definitely think that it's something I feel has been underutilized. I mean, I know I've experienced traveling as well, and, and even the last couple of years going to events around the world and, and speaking to people um, has definitely informed not me just as an artist, but as a person, like you said, it, it grows you exponentially from within. So I think it is a, a great uh, message that people can have who listen to the podcast that, that travel uh, and just personal growth is something you also have to focus focus on apart from you know artistic growth or growth within your career you also have to just you as a person grow um, as well so I do really quick before yeah. we end there I do want no, to no, no, go. Yeah. Um, I think most people when they think about being a concept artist they want to learn concept art things you know they want to learn how to design sci-fi or fantasy what they miss out on 100% of the time is that it's actually being well-rounded as a person will make you a great concept artist. Knowing about history, about science, about math, about politics, about culture, about music, all these things factor into your designs and your unique sensibility. You know, there's, there's imagine two people, one of them uh, stays at home and, and goes on art station the whole day and all their memories, everything they absorb are other people's concept art. They might know all the names in the industry, but all their memories of our other people's interpretations. And then there's another person who tries to have a new experience every day. They go to a new place. They meet a new person. They try a new food. They learn something about science or history every day. 
that second person is going to have so much more uniqueness to contribute to the world because their designs will be made up of all the memories and experiences that they have that are completely unique. Um, so that's just one thing I wanted to say is that you don't want to just as a concept artist pursue concept art and technical skill to your best ability. You want to become mm-hmm. a well-rounded person and someone who knows about the world and, and, and likes education and yeah. knows, you know, different countries from another and, and hopefully can speak some, some different languages. You know, all these things are really important to just being a, a person. Um, yes. And it'll, it really will improve your art. So that was, that's just one thing I wanted to say. Yeah, man. No, I mean, I definitely feel like there's, uh, I mean, you know yourself and that like, you know, when you come on all of these podcasts or you talk with your friends, you could be there, you know, five, six hours one night just talking about life in general or talking about art. There's, you know, the, I think the only thing that ever feels unfortunate with a lot of these uh, interviews is the fact that, you know, we can't have you guys on for, you know, two to three hours because obviously you know, you've got work, you've got things to do. But, you know, I think it's always just great to be able just to, to peer into your mind, even for an hour, because again, I feel like even I've learned uh, a lot. And that was originally why I started the podcast, because I wanted to just learn from other people uh, and, and also help other people learn. So I think it's it's great that we can take the time to, to listen to your experiences and hopefully people grow from them. So, um, yeah, uh, thank you again for coming on today. Um, it was a real honor to speak to you. Um, Dude, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun being on. Um, I hope people got something from the conversation and I, I really appreciate you having me on. It was an honor yeah of course thank you Finn um, yeah so guys uh, thanks for sticking about to, to this point if, you, if you've if you lasted the whole interview um, uh, again just thanks to Finn and, and to you guys for sticking about uh, these interviews again will be coming thick and fast uh, coming up to the next couple of months uh, like I said before at the start uh, we will be reducing the scope of how much we will be producing uh, interview wise but only because uh, at this point you know, it, it's taken a toll on just getting everything organized and having people on. So um, we'll go back to kind of the, the normal schedule programming, which is uh, about, you know, one to two episodes a month. Uh, so, yeah, again, if you're listening, just check out uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts. We're on most services around the world. And of course, if you want, you can check out the YouTube version, which is the, the main one where we will be hosting some of Finn's work and other links to his social media and websites. And of course, um, to Terraform and his new studio that's just opened. Um, so, yeah, guys, thanks again for sticking about thanks again to finn and we'll see you guys later bye